welcome to Afterthoughts. This is the podcast where we give you some thoughts after we watch something. Uh, I guess you had to fight through seven evil podcasts in order to get here and listen to us tonight. Uh, I am your host, Ryan King, but before we get started talking about something, let me introduce our co-hosts. I have Michael Dixon. What's up, guys? Excited to talk about this white nerd wet dream of a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And John Garcia. Hey, everybody. Um, I think that at the table right now, in terms of uh, the vegans of cinema, I think Dixon is the vegan of cinema here. He just, Art House just makes you not better. The vegan of cinema. Art House just makes you better than most people. Oh, in that sense, yes. yes definitely. I will eat anything and everything cinema. Uh, <laughs> I do uh, not care. Yes, yeah. Is he, if we trick him into watching something like this, does it does it remove his powers? <laughs> You're gonna get Thomas Jane's gonna bust through your wall. Like, Schlock police. Does that, does that mean that like Marvel is like a dairy product in this yeah, analogy? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the it's half like half Marvel's half like half. chicken nuggets. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yes, and we we are talking about 2010's Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay. You should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, will you sign for your damn package? So yeah, 8 o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band. Yeah, we're terrible. One, two, three, four! Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. I wanted to talk about this because there's a, a quote anime this anime is technically Japanese, but that word is getting flexible. Um, coming up to Netflix, I guess, next week, probably by the time you would hear this anyway, it's soon or already happened. Uh, with all the voice cast from this movie uh, signed back on, and I think this was like not well-received at the theater. I don't know if it was a write-out bomb, but it kind of has gotten a cult following since. Um, and obviously enough for them to make a video game and come back and now make a TV show based on it with the original cast. I wanted to go back and look at it, especially because this is like, I wrote down the list here of uh, Kieran Culkin before Succession, Anna Kendrick before Pitch Perfect, Allison Pill before Newsroom, Chris Evans before Captain America, Brie Larson before <laughs> Captain Marvel, uh, and Brandon Routh after Superman Returns, but then he did some better stuff after this. <laughs> um, and Anne after Arrested Development. <laughs> and Michael Yes, Sarah. yeah. And my, yeah, and there's a few, like uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and mm. Michael Sarah are kind of probably at their prime. Like our, our main-ish characters are probably uh, at, at the right time. Um, mm. Aubrey Plaza was just in Parks and Rec. Like it would have been 2009 or eight or something like that Such when it started. But again, she's capsule. like just starting. Yeah, yeah. it's just an interesting, yeah, it is an interesting time capsule. So I want to go back and on it at the, I don't know, talk with someone else about it and see if it was decent or there's something to get from it. I don't think I've watched it in a while. It has probably been 10 years, maybe since I lost, so I eight to 10 years. Um, but I remember like actually watching it being like, yeah, that was actually decent. Like I kind of enjoyed it. 
Um, the main thing I remember is the music, which stood out again this time. It's it's the music is way too good for this movie <laughs> um, <laughs> because there's there's a significant amount. I mean, it's really original music, original songs, even short, you know, little bits of something are funny or well done um, on the soundtrack. And this is Edgar Wright. Um, and that's something that he loves, right? He loves music. He loves setting scenes to music um, that we see in his other movies like Shaun of the Dead. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed it. I did watch it with the family. Mixed feelings from them, too. I kind of have mixed feelings. The ending, I think, is where this movie like absolutely unravels and falls apart. It kind of feels like it just doesn't really know exactly what to do and how its characters should or shouldn't be rewarded. Like, it's not sure what the character growth ended up being. <laughs> Has that Game um, of Thrones problem? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it did, because it actually, part of the reason the ending it is as whack is that, yeah, it wasn't finished yet. Uh, and I think the bad reception, if I remember correctly, the bad reception to the couple of endings that they shot of this made the original author go back and kind of tweak what he was doing for the last book to make it a little bit better. Um, you know, so I, I kind of want your thoughts on it and we can, we can kind of dig into particular pieces, but uh, John, I'll bounce to you. What are, what is your take? Yeah. Uh, I really like this movie. I enjoy watching it. Um, I think it has some of those like, it's not nearly visual. It's like a, a more cleaned up visual assault than Speed Racer was. That's how I'll put it. Um, I'm just kind of like amazed. It, it's fun to see sort of a, a an animated adaptation of something that's done in a live action medium. Um, and I thought it seemed like Edgar Wright just took it on to challenge himself to see like how close to the insanity of the books could he get um, visually. And it, it's at the cost of like, the the runtime is not enough for the story to like actually fit in or feel like any of the relationships developed within it make any sense. Um, there's a lot of things that just kind of happen and you can tell it's like because they have to happen. Um, even like the ramp up to the evil exes is like everything just feels so rushed and fast in it. And the editing is super snappy and that kind of makes it even more apparent how fast it goes. I agree. I really love the score. I love the songs done by Beck, uh, the like nonsense that's sung. It just kind of, I don't know, it has a really good vibe to it. There's a lot of one-off gags. And like when I go into a movie like this, I'm less so invested in the story than I am like some of the editing techniques, some of the visuals that are on display. Like there's a lot of passion I can tell that are that's put into the frames. And I really appreciated that. And I enjoy it. Um, and I had fun with the the vibe in general, but there are still moments where I was like, yeah, that could have been better or this could have been explored a little bit better in like longer terms. Um, we see like one or two dates here and there with Scott and his girlfriends. And uh, there's a lot that's rushed to make him a shittier person. And they don't really explore him feeling like a shitty person for too long, which is something that's that's pretty detrimental. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see, too, like with the Netflix series coming out, if it's they got the original cast back and now they're going to take the amount of time they needed to make everybody feel a lot more grounded and it gets you invested into the characters. But yeah, um, I still enjoyed it. I still had a fun time with it. Edgar Wright movies. I just always enjoy them. I, I haven't really found one, like even baby driver. I really enjoyed a lot of the stunts in it and that like carried me through quite a bit of that movie. <laughs> um, but I like the rhythm that Edgar Wright puts into his film. So I had a great time with it. Um, yeah. The flaws and all, but uh, yeah, I'll kick it over to Dixon. So I didn't love this movie. Um, I have kind of mixed feelings about Edgar Wright. I really like the work that he's done with Simon Pegg. I think, you know, Shaun of the Dead and um, 
The World's End and Hot Fuzz are are really great movies. And I think the reasons that they work are because their characters have some heart to them. And I don't know how much of that is Simon Pegg and how much of that is just maybe there's some better scripts there that have been used for those lead characters to be developed a little bit further. I feel like the stuff he has done outside of that relationship has not been as good. I didn't care for Baby Driver. I didn't care for Last Night in Soho um, or Scott Pilgrim. I think all three of those movies are like 100% style, 0% substance. And I don't, like the editing is really impressive. The visual style is cool where they're trying to make it kind of look like a video game or a graphic novel or something. Um, but I don't know, like this really did feel like just like a, a nerdy wet dream. Like, oh, like what if I was like a weird nerd, but I was in a band and I had like hot girls after me and I was like used to date a pop star and now I'm dating a high schooler and also this weird indie goth girl likes me and, <laughs> and like, you know, he's just beating them off on uh, at all turns. And um, I, I just like... I, I was Who's like, really? beating what off at all turns? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You get it, John. Yeah. I, I was like, really? This is what we're doing here? Like, I don't know. There's just no... There's no substance to any of the characters. Everyone is a cardboard cutout, including mm-hmm. the main character. And I, I thought that was pretty detrimental to the film. And it, I struggled to care about what was going on. And the movie did its thing and it ended. And I was like, okay, I guess we did that. Um, you know, there was some interesting aesthetic stuff happening along the way, but d- didn't really care for the, um, you know, the character building and, and kind of the, the route that it, it, took to get there um like there's some jokes that work in this there's also some that don't like the whole bit like the recurring joke about i have to fight your seven evil ex-boyfriends and she's like exes and it's like immediately you know what that means right like and then they like try to have this reveal like oh she's bisexual she had a girlfriend i was like like i don't know i just didn't think that really worked it was very interesting maybe in 2010 it was more so than it is now um i don't know this came out when i was in college and i had a bunch of friends who were obsessed with this movie and i was like that's that's the age when you're 20 21 and you see this movie and you're a white nerdy college kid like you know that's that's the target audience for for this i think um but i just really wanted there to be something more there and i just felt like there there wasn't and i was trying to grasp on to something and there just wasn't anything there um the cast is very impressive like you know they got all these really good actors i don't know that any of them have much to do unfortunately like I like Michael Sarah, I like Mary Elizabeth Winsett I like Brie Larson despite the fact that I don't know why everyone seems to hate Brie Larson now but I, I I've always liked Brie Larson I think she she's always very good in what she does um you know Evans isn't bad uh he's fine he, he does what he's supposed to do <laughs> this is the perfect role for him though yes yeah I, I just it. douchey jock that doesn't have to do much. he's my favorite evil ex I'm just gonna throw it out there right now <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy his action um, movie bullshit the the George Michael and Anne reunion is is great. That's uh, that, that's hilarious to just get those actors back on screen together. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's just like eh, eh, I don't know. That was that was fine, I guess. Um, don't really have any desire to revisit it. Kind of is what it is. Um, I don't know. Like Edgar Wright has talent, and I just feel like the things that he pursues as his personal projects just maybe aren't interesting to me personally, and don't land with me. I'd love to see him get back with. And do something with Simon Pegg again. Um, and I'm I'll probably continue to see his movies as he makes them because he does try to do something interesting. And I appreciate that. But um this one just didn't really get there for me. Yeah, I think so from a style standpoint, a the comic book 
e-ness of it. This is kind of in that time window where adaptations of comic book things stopped being kind of like, oh, we're embarrassed of it and we're going to pretend it doesn't come from a comic and we're going to remove anything that's kind of wacky from it to something like Sin City, this, that kind of like just were, hey, what can we do? Can we do the style of them and can we just be what is in there? Like that Sin City movie is like a one-to-one adaptation of the comic like it just is word for words visual spot to panel and there's some of that where there's clear like panels in here from the comics um before i feel like spider-man into the spider-verse like figure it out like Mm -hmm. it needs to be animated and we can animate it in a way that will be exactly like comics and blow your mind and that's what it's supposed to be (laughs) like and we've had this deluge of superhero movies obviously post this um but it is it is an interesting how it quickly and, and my family sat there and all Ryan's this movie constantly. And I, had, <laughs> mm-hmm. I even I had to be like, look, are you trying to follow the logic here? Because it constantly shows you like there isn't logic. Like, right. You, yeah. You know, it's all it's magical realism or whatever. <laughs> However, you like don't. How does he fight? Mm, why do they turn into coins? Like, if you're going to ask that question, right? Like, ask it one of these other questions. Yeah. Does he get to redeem them at, yeah. an, at an arcade booth later on for a giant stuffed animal? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I love that Ryan got Ryaned by his own family. <laughs> yes. It's just like beautiful <laughs> to me. <laughs> Came back to bite him in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's interesting because there's that's where, like, that when I was watching this, I was like, this is. Um, this feels like if it had been three hours long, it would have been one too long, but it also would have been enough time <laughs> to like try to justify some of those things. This would have been like the Bo is afraid of nerdy white wet dreams. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> where it's and just Bo like, is afraid kind of is that, but it works because it actually takes the time to develop these characters. Yeah, and yeah. And like you, you, care you get about to know them. quite a bit about the phobias and mm-hmm. fears and those the, those characters. Um, but yeah, it was like when I was watching it, I read I read all the books too. And I was like, Oh, they like explain so much of this stuff in the books in a way that it works with the world's logic and in the actual like comic panels and everything. But here it's literally just like, oh, we're just gonna throw this like line in because anybody who read the books will know what we're talking about, but everybody else will be like, the fuck is that about? It doesn't matter. Okay, I guess it's over, it's done. And like the whole movie just felt like it was that. Like it puts you on like the front seat of a roller coaster and shot you as fast as possible past everything that you could <laughs> to get to like really cool visual fights and these more absurd gags that they just wanted to like put in that were more fun. Um, I enjoyed everything within the world. I just didn't enjoy as much like having to sit with the characters for too long because it was uncomfortable. Like past a certain point, you're like, I know that there's nothing there. Just like, get me past this. Yeah, Just get me to the next visual gag. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it definitely jumps from thing to thing. Like, it just kind of goes into each event at a point once you start to get to the fights. Like, we're just like, fight, band, fight. Like, you're just going through all of it. Um, and yeah, you get getting, like, no background into Scott Pilgrim's, like, previous relationships or any of that. I do feel like I was watching it this time trying to look through the lens of, is Scott Pilgrim a bad guy? Like, oh, is yeah, he for just sure. not. Yeah. You know, and I was like, it, he really is. But then at the end, it seems like it kind of tries to redeem him, but not like it, at least he, you know, he comes to his senses, I guess, a little bit of like, oh, I cheated, you know, and I've been kind of bad to these people around me. Poor but knives, that's not enough man. to earn. Poor yeah. Knives. <laughs> yeah. But it's not enough to earn it to just be like, oh, Kim, I realized I fucked you over. Anyway, 
you two nice. Uh, you two like he just sort of like uh, tells everyone he like rattles oh, you know off what? a I did list, that. Yeah, <laughs> like a laundry exactly. list of confession, <laughs> and then he's done. <laughs> but like to actually get into any depth of like why you know something that would make it more deep would be like why and what brought him to the point of being like that and how did he now come around to that realization like what's the true character growth uh, and it's just like that's not important that's <laughs> not what this <laughs> is about. Um, and even there, like the the gag at the end where he has to fight like Nega Scott, His negative version. Yeah, which is like a you know an actual battle with important things in the comic, but here it's like a great opportunity for a gag, and it's a funny joke, but it just is like that's it. It's just a funny joke. It's just mm. a gag. Yeah, and they even had like I watched some deleted scenes for it, and they had a whole setup where they were gonna have Nega Scott just like be in other areas. He was like in the bathroom whenever Scott's like I have to pee, and he like runs to to find salvation in the bathroom from his weird conflicts. Um, and I was like, oh, but like even that was just like one deleted scene of like there's Nega Scott, he's out there, and I was just like, mm, that's not that wouldn't be enough. I see why it's cut because they were like, fuck it, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do any of those things. And then they had an alternate ending, too, where Scott ends up with knives and, like, Ramona just leaves. And even that felt, like, just as hollow and weird. Yeah. And it was just like, that it's also illegal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it yeah. illegal in Canada? I don't know. Are you know. familiar with Canadian law? I don't know. What they the got loonies. They got toonies up there. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what else is? <laughs> yeah. That one, they had some, like, early test audiences and some early showings with that ending. And it was not a good reaction. And I think, yeah, especially the like, she's 17, which the movie sets up as creepy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. To then, like, at the end, you're like, okay, well, it's still creepy then if we thought it was at the beginning. Should have just uh, ended with Scott not dating anybody and yeah. realizing that he needed to work on himself and fucking leaving. Yeah, just <laughs> like, getting yeah. chastised by all of the women that he's been addicted to and then having to, like, go home and be sad and roll credits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I agree. I think that actually is the right like character that's earned in this movie is that it's like, oh, he's been horrible in all his relationships and uh, Ramona's only had horrible relationships. And so it's like, okay, cool. They both need to just be themselves for a, a bit, right? And like separate out. I, I, like honestly, Scott and Ramona's relationship isn't really explored here either. Like there's kind of a couple dates, but all we really see is Scott being like, I'll do whatever you do. Like you do drugs. Okay. I'm cool with that. If you don't, I'm cool with that. Like he just mm-hmm. is totally infatuated with her, but with no like actual depth to their relationship either, which then is even more like at the end, like, should they be together? Like, I don't, I never saw anything that said that they should be. She also doesn't even really seem to be into him. It's just like they went on a date and therefore this thing now starts where he has to fight her evil exes. And like, she doesn't even really seem that interested in him. Though, honestly, her past relationships are kind of like a day or a week or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> She's fleeting. Yeah, yeah, exes is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, what would the term have been? I don't know. They're like ex-acquaintances or something. Yeah, people I went on a date with once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I technically dated, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's the other thing is like, I, I think in terms of like how I view this movie, I ended up like falling back so much to, I just liked a lot of the technical shit that was done in it. Like the visual effects, the way that they did some of the extension, it's things that I, I don't feel like have been seen since I mentioned like speed racer being visually assaulting. And like in a similar way, this movie just packs in like so much graphical overlay to a lot of what is in it that I was like, that is like the, it's just visual candy. And that's Mm -hmm. what carries me through it. 
um, because I don't feel chemistry between Michael Sarah and Mary Elizabeth Winstead though. Like nope. I enjoy the gags and the stuff that they do. It's just like, even in that scene where they're making out, it's like Mary Elizabeth Winstead is carrying that scene and Michael Sarah is just kind of there, which might be what Scott Pilgrim is supposed to be anyway. The That's kind of Michael Sarah's thing though, you know, just yeah. kind of being there. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like there, there's just so much that felt reminds me of like a Kenneth Branagh movie, like a, like a Shakespearean <laughs> adaptation where like the characters commit the script to memory and they don't commit the characters or oh, like okay. develop their own emotion behind it. Hmm. And so you end up with like what is basically just Shakespeare where everybody has to like rattle off these lines and somebody else has to rattle off lines back. And like the humor is just in the words themselves. So like I, I, I was like, okay. I remember when I saw this in theaters, I saw it like nine or 10 times. I was one of oh those dudes that was like, that would have been your friend Dixon. You'd be like, the yeah. fuck's wrong with you? Um, but I think I that was just. I saw it once in college and I was like, it's, it's <laughs> like, good. It's right. yeah, it's fine. And then, but yeah, I had friends that like were, yeah, we're going twice a week to see this in theaters. And this yeah. is the coolest thing ever. I think that it was like the past John's version of like everything ever all at once where I was just so visually interested in everything going on yeah. that I, I was like enamored with that. And I just didn't care as much about the story. Um, but even then, it reminds me, too, of, like, Ready Player One. It feels like Ernest Klein's sort of, like, Brian Lee O'Malley and Ernest Klein are probably best buds, because it's just, like, just chock it full of pop culture and, like, yeah. fucking let people mm. chow down. Um, the Some of the, the fucking scenes that made me roll my eyes this time around are, like, the getting a life scene, and I was just like, ah, oh, this is just, like, yeah. forced as fuck right here. No idea why this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is ham-fisted as it has to be. But yeah, I'm curious, John, you're talking about the visual aspects of it. There were some scenes that I thought looked really great. And there were others that I'm like, this just feels very marvel and green screeny. And some of the effects I thought didn't hold up super well, but like probably were the, the best they could do at the time in, in 2010. Yeah. Um, some of the scenes look really good still, but I'm, I'm curious to hear from you. Like, what are some of your favorite visual aspects of the film or some scenes that stand out just i i think f in terms of scenes that stand out like knives professing that she's in love with scott is something that is <laughs> a funny visual to me just to see like the word love become a toxic yeah. cloud that he has to like <laughs> swat away yeah. those kinds of things i found like visually creative and really fun i think i can definitely see some of the the um, green screen surfacing when you get to like Chris Evans scene, maybe it's foreshadowing for the MCU. Um, <laughs> but like him writing down the fucking wild Dude, amount of stairs, doing his <laughs> thingy, a uh, grind thingy on that bar. Grind thingy on that. <laughs> um, but I, I really did enjoy, I think more over the, the more subtle visual overlays, the things that like, they just pack the frames. Um, Ryan, I know it's, it's that kind of thing like in Spider-Man where you were like, I got to go pause and like read all of these things or like see what the jokes are. Yeah. Like laying out the, the room between um, Scott and, and his roommate Wallace where it's just like, here's all the stuff that Wallace owns and like the few small things that Scott owns. And it just says a lot more about his character than the actual dialogue ever did. Um, I liked those and I like any of the onomatopoeias, like him being thrown and it being like thwip and it's just kind of cloudy yeah. and it follows him or the base battle between him and, and Brandon Lee. Like that, that was just great. Like, uh, or not Brandon Lee. What's his name? Brandon, Brandon Roth. Brandon Roth. Yeah. Brandon Roth. Brandon Lee, totally different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, between him and Brandon Roth. Yeah. That, that whole base battle was just rad. Um, those moments, like I could definitely see too, even in the veganism section, <laughs> the like yeah. air tips, you can tell that it's like CGI'd on top of, of Brandon Roth. And it's just like, uh, it doesn't look great, but 
the gag itself is funny and, and those bits. Um, also, Tom Jane showing up just. Yeah, he always, just wants his kids good, back. Yeah. <laughs> I just fucking love it. Um, but yeah, those are like the visual bits that I liked. Uh, I'm curious, which do you have other, uh, particular like things that stood out to you as like, that looks really fake or like, that doesn't look good at all. Um, visual noise. Uh, I feel like more toward the end of the movie as they kind of just, it starts getting into kind of fight scene on fight scene in that final sequence. And I just kind of got bored with it a little bit. Like there was just so much green screen at once for too long a period of time. I was like, I need some sort of grounding with some real things in the background of this. Yeah, I also think the the battle with the the twins, the Getty and Aggie uh, twins or whatever. Yeah, the like yeah. the dragons and the yeah know, that part, or whatever. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> that's rough yeah. yeah, that's that's rough, and it doesn't make any sense. That was another one that has always bugged me. Is I'm like, why mm-hmm. do they win? It's not clear. <laughs> no, I like that they get like blown away, and then Scott just gets a little more mad, and it, it, that just helps them win because he plays yeah. harder, even yeah. though they have trash gear. Did he like <laughs> win a an invisible rock band game against them, or like a guitar? hero game or something against him like he plays dance dance revolution throughout the the movie that's how he learned to uh, fight but, i guess yeah I, yeah Dude, we'll yeah, never they even know. show later that he's a terrible bass player he's not yeah, <laughs> yeah right? he i was like he's really bad at everything he's he only <laughs> has like yeah. he's not a great bass player he's terrible in all his relationships <laughs> yeah there, there's no reason he should have gotten out of that they just that was that point where they ran out of uh reference material and they were just like oh fucking they, they get in a battle and they jam harder than the other band does i guess fuck it the the amp versus amp was just a funny concept to me the fact that yeah. there would be like that kind of shit set up at all yeah that's <laughs> just, a, just a horrible thing to attend as, yeah. a, as a human being just to sit in between two rock bands playing at you just uh. trying to one-up each other yeah I did enjoy also like I guess one other visual gag I enjoyed was the um punching highlights out of her hair sequence oh yeah which was just like that's just a fucking wild visual gag. It's so dumb, but it's it's great. And it's that's probably my favorite dramatic line is he punched the highlights out of her hair. You punched the highlights out of her hair. He punched the highlights out of her hair. You are incorrigible. I don't know the meaning of the word. I think that the yeah, so the like the edity editing comedy. I don't know how to call it, what to call it, uh, that Wright uses a lot, works really well here. And I think that's some of what I like the best is just the style he has. Um, so like Wallace, his roommate, the like increasingly number of guys he has in the bed that like appear after like each time, yeah. say like another thing and kind of like reappear or like the editing of like from Wallace's passing out to his sister calling and then somehow he's text and they just use the frame to like kind of bounce back and forth between these things for comedic effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like, yeah, they're on these like beats and kind of the end, you know, at the end when he goes back um, and he's just like quickly going through and like punching the people out and telling him the code or, or whatever and getting through there faster, where it just has this like punchiness. Um, it's just an interesting style. Like, I don't know that anyone else quite hits the comedy editing as tightly as, as Edgar Wright does. Yeah, that's one thing that I remember right talking about was like wanting to use editing to make mundane things a little bit more um, action oriented in Scott Pilgrim. And you see it when like Scott's putting on his coat and he's like pulling down a shirt and he's doing some other stuff. And then it slows down to just watch him tie his laces. And then the moment that he like snaps <laughs> yeah. them into the ribbons, he's like out the door running. Um, yeah, definitely like a lot more of that 
play to make it interesting because there's not too much beyond like, all right, we get to a fight scene and then there's just a lot of whatever's going on. The fight scenes themselves also like they don't last long enough to feel super unique. It's hard to say that I, you don't get to stay there that long. It really feels like it wants to move the movie along to whatever else is next. And so it's part of why, like, I think I like Chris Evans character the most because he technically gets way more screen time than I remember the other X is kind of getting. Um, it's like you get to see him on TV when he's yeah. in his made for TV movie or whatever the fuck it is. You listen and you listen good bucko. <laughs> uh, and, and then like watching him with his stunt crew, that was just like fun. That was fun stuff. Like you got to live that gag for a little bit longer than I feel like some of the other ones did. Um, more memorable, but yeah. Um, not, not entirely like even, even, uh, Jason Schwartzman's character, Gideon Graves mm-hmm. is that whole like rushed ending where Scott gets the power of love and then Scott earns the power of self-respect like back to back and it it really is just like all right there's like one visual gag the swords both get broken and it's like these don't matter like none of this matters it's just like power scaling for the entire movie mm-hmm. um, yeah. that 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 leaves you feeling like pretty hollow about it um so yeah hence my refuge in the visuals only and the soundtrack like it's a technically well-composed film narratively though. It's so like uh, insubstantial real weak. Yeah. Real yeah, weak. Yeah. Very weak. For and sure. It, and you're, you're right. Which, whichever, who, who was saying the acting was like, eh, they're just, that was me. It's, it's like Kenneth Branagh and Aaron yeah. Sorkin. That's like, I guess now <laughs> the two names that I can recognize. <laughs> mm-hmm. No one is bad in the movie. It's just, they don't have much to do. Like there's not anything written yeah. on the page for these actors to really get into. Yeah. And a lot of them, it's really short. Like we get a good length with uh, Michael Sarah and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and then kind of the band members um, in Kim, and we don't really get anything out of Young Neil. <laughs> he's just yeah. there. He's Young Neil. Young Neil is hilarious. <laughs> he has. His be- he's the guy who has the best arc. He becomes Neil. He does. Yeah, <laughs> he becomes Neil. He's the only person that has any growth. Um, I, I thought he was going to become Neil Young, but yeah. he, he didn't. He <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like a little bit of time with knives, and then that's kind of it. Everyone else sort of just gets like a few scenes, or they're there for like a gag. It's like Wallace is just kind of in for like certain gags, and the same with like his sister or the girl at the record store or whatever. They're just there for like one, one or two off gags. And then evil exes are just sort of like, they get there for their scene, they fight and they're out. <laughs> That's like yep. it. Um, I actually think like from like subtle, like Brie Larson's mm-hmm. really good. Cause she actually, mm-hmm. I feel like had a character and like it, it's subtle and she's only like the phone call and you're kind of just seeing her face and she's having these like, little subtle emotions on there that I was like, oh, that's someone who figured out a character and brought it here. Uh, I think Chris Evans also, like, I agree, he's kind of a, a standout in the evil exes of just, like, I, he, maybe he's just being himself. Maybe he is really a dick when the camera uh, stops rolling and he just played <laughs> that. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, like, that's another, like, where it just it works. Like, that actually feels like a, a fleshed-out character. That, you know, it's a fucking... stereotype, but... yeah. yeah. It's that fucking line that he says where he's just like, yeah, they're pretty good, aren't they? I even let them do the wide shots when I feel getting, like getting blazed <laughs> back in my Winnie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a stereotype, but is it? Because it's like he is the jock stereotype, but he's a skateboarder. And like that doesn't really 
work that's not the same thing <laughs> like a skateboarder True. should be way more chill and less douchey than a like a like he was like you know high school quarterback douchebag but he's <laughs> a skateboarder slash movie star like what are they what are they doing with this this feels like they didn't really know exactly what they wanted to do with with that character but yeah, yeah. like yeah. a hipster action film star like he has to be the but he is masculine. not a hipster except that he has a skateboard that's, that's pretty much yeah, it, yeah you know like <laughs> yeah he's just like an adrenaline junkie action guy yeah. i guess yeah, yeah um i do like the bit where when he's walking off uh while all of his stunt doubles are beating up on scott he like looks at his phone and he reads something and he like chuckles to himself and then he continues walking a little bit and he goes that's actually funny you don't yeah. see it like that's it. You just see yeah. him react to whatever thing he read, and it's not important for us to know <laughs> yeah. in the audience. I don't know, like that. <laughs> Little subtle things like that will crack me up. Yeah, I agree with you on Larson. Like, I think she is, you know, has a a more defined character to play, and is good in it. And she actually was like a pop star for a minute as a teenager. Like, she came out with a couple songs, and so she probably had like some experience to draw on to to be like a an asshole pop star and and do that role but yeah i was like like i was really like brie larson if you haven't seen short term 12 that movie is really great and and you check it out it's like hey, she got her start from that and like lakeith stanfield and rami malek mm-hmm. and like a bunch of like random actors that became huge movie stars in this little indie film yeah um i i enjoyed the back room scene where they're all sitting across from each other talking like I would have loved to have seen scenes like that linger on a little bit longer. And even the the band performance when they like first do the reveal of, uh, you know, their the clash at demon head singing their song that it's like that metric song they're covering. Um, I would have liked for that scene to have gone on longer with Scott, like having to navigate the crowd and get closer or like try to run away and certain things being shut off. Like I just felt like all the encounters, they just never linger long enough to make it substantial and make you feel the swell before a battle happens. They should have just halved the number of X's in this movie. Just fuck it. <laughs> just go for less and, and, or like team them up or some shit. Um, yeah. Well, they did the twins all at once and that seemed like kind of a cop out. You know? Yeah. That was, yeah. that was the other, it was kind of just like, ah, all right. Um, but I feel like you could have adapted it in a way that made more sense for a two hour runtime. And as it stands mm-hmm. now, it's like this needed to be a limited series if they were really going to do something. Um, and I now guess it's that's going what they're to doing be. now, right? Yeah. yeah. So now that's what they're doing now, um, which I'm, I'm interested to see how it makes, how it changes things. But I still feel like for 2010, it was because yeah, Ryan, you were getting, you're getting like what uh sin city, you were getting Watchmen, you're getting all of these adaptations of things where they were like, I saw your face. 300. I said Watchmen. Let's well, yeah. just keep talking about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I know. <laughs> but you get like this obsession with different directors who like love these different graphic novels and they're getting a chance in Hollywood to legitimize them um, in front of a mainstream audience. And so they're like, I'm just going to adapt it frame for frame. I'm going to adapt the story one to one. So I feel like th- this comes from a period in sort of cinema where and it's not even that long lived of a period where there's legitimacy being imbued into adaptations outside of books like it's not just novels now that are being uh, adapted it's graphic novels and um because of that hollywood's like well we don't really understand it but if you do and you're a nice director you can just fucking run with this and make it whatever you want to but also um, don't, don't stray too far from the source material, I guess, or something. That's how they kind of interpreted it. Whereas now we get, you know, directors who will take things and be like, oh, I adapted it for screen. Like Scorsese, I mean, Scorsese's adapt- adaptation of Killers of the Flower Moon is obviously from a novel, but he takes it in a completely different direction and he's comfortable doing that. 
Um, and you have like other, I'm sure there's plenty of other things like the one piece Netflix anime that, uh, yeah. that you told us about Ryan, where it's like somebody saw that and was like thousand episode anime series. I'll make 10 episodes. And they did a decent job of carrying the characters through and like understanding the rooted drama. Um, they're not just like, all right, let me just write down what's on the page and give it to a, a like a solid fucking cast of actors to just carry the rest of it. Um, but it's kind of fascinating to think about, like, and I think adapting the the visual pieces, right? That's going from mm-hmm. a visual medium to another visual medium and trying to adapt not just the story and characters, but also the visuals. And I, and I think that's something where, to me, an adaptation is valid when it uses the new medium for something else. Yeah. And when you when you take from a book, you get the freebie of like, well, I'm doing something else because I'm actually putting in like actors and movement and visuals. But when you take a comic, it already had visuals. Sometimes you kind of bring them down, especially if you're coming from a comic to kind of like simplify it out to work in a realistic situation. And I kind of feel like that was what was happening a lot was, okay, how can we kind of make this realistic ish? And something like Scott Pilgrim is like, I don't fucking care about realism. (laughs) Right. And it's like, let's just go, let's go for it. Let's, let's just be that, you know, the next closest thing is like space jam. Like doesn't care about being real, (laughs) but it's a, you know, it's just a, that then is sort of just like a cartoon. This is a good blending of things to give us something new. Um, In the same way, I, I I mentioned the Spider-Man verse movies, Spider-Verse movies um, also are really trying to adapt and adapt the visual aspects and what drives me what's crazy about spider-verse is like and the visual aspects of like different types like multiple different types of comics and cartoons and aesthetics like all kind of jammed together into one somehow still cohesive like but to actually try to say okay let's take something like a comic and then bring it here yeah um i i'm curious if y'all if anything else jumps out of you that that from that time period when Scott Pilgrim came out that reminds you of it, or if, if it was something that was like visually distinct in your mind when that was going on. Cause like, yeah, it's Watchmen, Sin City, Scott Pilgrim, like these all kind of come up for me as like, Oh, this yeah. is frame to frame adaptations of something else that I've never Sin seen. Sin City has some of that where it uses the comic like effects. Like there'll actually be like a sound and there'll be the words on it. Like it's an actual, like from a comic, which Scott Pilgrim does. Um, the only other thing I can think of there is the old Batman TV show <laughs> that does that <laughs> yeah. uh, to some effect. Yeah, I feel like we've talked a lot about the the movies that are similar and how they're adapting uh, graphic novels and things like that. The the thing that this movie makes me think about is the like one year where Michael Sarah became the biggest movie star in the <laughs> yes. world for some reason. <laughs> he just did a bunch of like he did this, which is like it's you know it's okay. I'm I'm kind of shitting on it, but like there are some some good aspects to it. And I understand like why why john why you like it and why like other people do but like you know he did year one and like all of these horrible comedies that just like fell flat and then all of a sudden he just fell off the face of the earth and he's just like randomly he'll be in bit parts kind of ironically in movies now and he just basically doesn't really have a career anymore it's pretty wild how how bright his star burned and how fast it extinguished i think i think he's having a comeback as alan and then maybe with oh, this Netflix Barbie, adaptation. Yeah. yeah, I think he's I think he's gonna get a little bit of comeback here. Could be, could be, yeah. That was like the right amount of Michael Sarah weirdness as you know, maybe uh-huh. as a as a cameo, as a second, third banana he works. It's the carrying a movie where you know, something like Super Bad is a 
lightning in a bottle right of, yeah of you know of the characters it's not just michael sarah right that's there his awkwardness is playing off of jonah hill's jonah hill and <laughs> like that's that's what makes that work but if you're trying to carry it like we're gonna carry it just michael sarah that doesn't make sense yeah it's tough. um yeah and then there's a certain amount yeah like uh was it million what is that one year one yeah, Your one's yeah, yeah. got the like Watson and Holmes problem of just we have no idea what to do. We just took two funny people, and yeah. then we'll figure it out as we make the movie. And then was it Jack don't. Black that was in yep, that? Yep, it's Jack Black oh, and Michael yeah. What a yeah. horrible movie! Yeah, yeah, that was absolutely like someone pitched it in an elevator. Like we'll get Jack Black, we'll get Michael Sarah. They're cavemen. That's it. That's all they have. Uh, they yeah, got a yeah. green light, and <laughs> we're just gonna like randomly go through different biblical stories and make fun history of, them. of the world and just yeah. fuck it up. <laughs> Um, that was also like Jesse Eisenberg came around right after then I was and kind of took was, a lot of the yeah. roles that Michael Sarah was getting. And I think Jesse Eisenberg is, is a better actor than Michael Sarah. And so he was able to do like add a little bit more depth to some of these roles that Sarah was just kind of hitting on a surface level. Um, not to knock Michael Sarah too hard. Like I will always fucking love Arrested Development and, and he's so brilliant in that. But and I like him in, in, you know, the smaller bit roles that he's doing recently. But I think Eisenberg is better able to hold those leading man roles than, than Michael Sarah is. Yeah. I d yeah. I definitely understand that. That was actually what I was going to say too, was like, there's a reason Michael Sarah kind of fell off and it's because Jesse Eisenberg entered the chat and, yeah. and he was just <laughs> like, all right, now you've got so many things that I could picture Michael Sarah being in and it would make it just a little bit worse, but it would still kind of work. It's right, like yeah. Michael Sarah as Mark Zuckerberg in the social network <laughs> or, uh, in, uh, the art of self-defense. Yeah. Like that's definitely something. Zombieland. <laughs> yeah. Zombieland. These are all roles that I'm like, I could see it. There's a bit of like that same neurotic element to mm -hmm. how he plays his characters that I'm just like, okay. Um, and instead he's like out there doing sausage party and, uh, this is the end. Right. Yeah. He, he just found like a group of friends to like, hang out with yeah and, and i guess from super bad yeah he just hangs out with seth rogan now and sometimes gets in his movies <laughs> yeah yeah he meditates uh, with david lynch on occasion yeah. <laughs> but i think that like certain certain jokes in this movie to in my mind are like michael Sarah jokes like when he's walking out with the negus scott at the end and he's like oh yeah totally like we'll we'll meet up next week like the, yeah the waffles are great they have bananas on them or whatever like it is one of those mm. Like that is a Michael Sarah thing. Like it just feels like it, and that works. Yeah. Uh, for for a comedy bit, but yeah, if we're trying to actually get him to give us that and character depth, that doesn't quite work. I do want to see like the because I know he's in the newer season of uh, Twin Peaks, and I want to see mm -hmm. what he's like in that. That's it's I, a pretty small role, okay. but yeah, still just curious because it's like, oh, he he had that like brush with David Lynch, and right. I want to know what what Michael Sarah does <laughs> with that. So. Um, but yeah, was there anything else on, on Scott Pilgrim we haven't talked about? I feel like at this point, there's not much we can lean into with the story. We could write a treatment. Yeah, for we kind of, yeah, kind of like, eh. hit this, this, this story and it They're is going to do it together. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that they'll get more depth into that. The, the, the music, it is interesting because this, uh, Edgar Wright said that he did this as a musical, but what he meant was the musical instead of like, it breaks out into song as it breaks out into fight. So the fights are like the musical acts, like songs, even though they're songs, the songs are actually around the actual like fight parts. And so that's where it's supposed to feel like a musical. The songs, hmm. I, like it, it is so fun how completely void of lyrics they are, <laughs> Yeah, but hit the right like catchiness or whatever. They're, they're all so like wonderfully dumb. And I love the bits like when the, uh, what is the first band, whatever, in the boys? Crash and the boys. Crash and the boys. 
and their song that's just like this is us singing our, our song we're sad and stuff or whatever yeah <laughs> and then it's like that's it <laughs> that is the song is just that line yeah yeah, the the bit where the drummer always says something like "We are sex bobom and yeah. blank," like we're here to whatever. That is kind of a funny bit. She changes it every time to say something different and weird. Yeah, um, yeah. I I enjoyed a lot of. I think the only song that I don't enjoy is uh, Matthew Patel's song, and it was just kind of like nah, I'm not as crazy about this particular scene. It just was a little too campy for me, even though the rest of the movie still really camp. Like that one scene just didn't jive well for whatever reason maybe because it's immediately over it's like he throws like two fireballs then he punches scott and scott punches him in the face and he's just gone and that's it yeah (laughs) yeah and there is the uh vegan powers are explained and i guess you just kind of like go with that because it's funny but patel just supposedly has powers like there's no like oh he has powers. powers and he can like summon hipster demon girls i guess and throw fireballs and it doesn't matter yeah. John, is the vegan bit funny? It's still funny, but it's only <laughs> funny to me now because like, yeah, it's just like, it's one of those things where I was like, I get it. I get where it's coming from. To I me, actually the, didn't the, think it was very funny. The, the vegan yeah. police is the funnier bit. The yeah. fact that the vegan police are real is way funnier to me than like the vegan yeah. bit of like basically being vegan just makes you better than most people. I'm like, okay, I get it. Punch down. Mm. It's fine. Um, but Tom Jane and the other actor, I can't remember his name, but I've seen that guy before several in a few other movies and them like leaping and high-fiving after they've just de-veganized <laughs> yeah. the dude is fucking great. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like a meh, uh, but yeah, following up on the vegan police, that's the real follow through I cared about. That's what made it solidified yeah. as a good, I, I think it's me. the follow through that makes it mm-hmm. of like him yeah have there actually being this whole thing about vegans being granted powers like that's where it gets to actually be funny um dixon you mentioned the evil exes thing earlier I, it totally makes sense from a joke perspective to just have scott say ex-boyfriends and everyone else say exes mm-hmm. enough that it's like you get it at the right time but the like correcting it after he says it immediately like hard lampshades it yeah. and does remove the joke because you just immediately get like oh this is gonna happen later yeah that that reminded me of um that's why i also compared this to like ready player one and ernest klein because there's a whole plot twist in ready player one where they're like oh like the best friend of the lead character it turns out that not only is it not a dude but it, she's black and a lesbian and it's like the the movie does not actually do anything major about that. It just kind of is like, here it is. Fuck it. Whatever. Get over it. Um, but the book makes a whole plot point about like, oh, my God, I never would have <laughs> thought that somebody on the Internet wouldn't be who they who I thought they were. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like, all right, sure. Um, so, yeah, the movie felt like it did a similar thing there. Where it was just like, uh, yeah, just fucking when is it going to happen? Like, show me. It's fine. Don't care. Um, yeah. And that fight's a little weird. The uh, like Scott doesn't want to fight a girl. Yeah, that I was like, even by 2010 is maybe a little tried. Yeah, or maybe yeah, there are a few like uh, lesbian jokes that I was like, oh man, the 2000s, <laughs> the late 90s and the <laughs> 2000s are a little rough. Yep. Every time I'm, I don't remember her name, I'm just gonna call her Anne. Every time Anne came on screen, I just Anne. kept thinking her. <laughs> Sorry, her? Yeah. Who? <laughs> who are we talking about well it sounds like we talked it out we're all we're all yeah. on, on the same page I, I, I now we talked it out. <laughs> yep um 
so I'll yeah I I enjoy it. I think it's worth a watch. I don't think it's an excellent movie by by any means. I do think it's a unique movie, mm. and I still don't really feel like there's something that is doing exactly the same thing. The music is standout. There are funny jokes. Um, they, you know, it's it's enough to get you through all of it and to have a good time. Um, my family, the kids enjoyed it. It was, uh, it's like mildly inappropriate for kids at the beginning, and then it kind of gets over it. <laughs> yeah, how'd you um, explain the sex scene? The only well, it wasn't scene. a sex scene. It was like a <laughs> like just yeah, before Elizabeth it was it and Monterey kissing uh, Michael yeah. Sarah on screen, and for then a few it's seconds. and then it's over, and then the rest of the movie is fine. Yeah, um, or over your head. Uh, Darla was like no on this. I think she was probably mixed, but leaned towards no in sort of the it's stupid. Uh, she compared it to Napoleon Dynamite, um, which she also absolutely hates. <laughs> Uh, both both that and this, she will laugh while she's watching it, but then doesn't like it at the end. There were definitely times she laughed and she was like, yeah, there are things that were funny in it, but she was like, overall, like, nah, it was just too too stupid, I guess, mm. for her. Yeah. Uh, Dixon, what's your take? Yeah, I would not recommend this movie. Um, I mean, if you like Edgar Wright, you'll like it, I, I think. Like, and, and if you like Edgar Wright's non-Simon Pegg work, then, then I think you'll you'll like it, but... For me, I just felt like it was just so flat. All of the characters were just like they were comic book characters, right? And like that's kind of a problem when you translate that into cinema into a, you know, hour and 50 minute movie. And like you need so you need to care about these people to some degree, right? It can't be just about the visuals. And uh, so it just felt it felt a little flat for me. Um, you know, I think with a little more effort on the script, it would have gotten there. But um, I was a pass on this. Yeah. Um, I would recommend this despite its flaws. I think I'm in that camp where I found it to be refreshing and unique when it came out. I still think that it's visually unique and striking and like can be a pretty fun ride, but yeah, not substantial to the characters in the script. You know, it really reminds me of like when you watch like a Zucker Brothers film, like Airplane, where it's just like gag after gag, but they have to base it off of like an actual structured story already that had stakes and character development embedded into it. So you can at least grasp parts of the narrative while you're going. I think we talked about this when we talked about they came together at some point too. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was sort of like the, you know, it's just too many gags and too little substance at one particular point in time. Um, so if you're somebody who's you can heavily say that into, again, <laughs> it's just uh, too many gags and too little substance at a time. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it definitely, if you're like somebody who grips hard to needing investment in the characters and in the story, you're not going to find that here. What you'll find instead is like a bunch of goofy visual gags, a lot of fun quotes that you'll probably remember. Um, there's, you know, a, a cast of characters that you probably like in terms of like the actors that are portraying them have uh, familiar faces and they're fun in the, the energy they bring to the script, but there's not much in it. So still recommend it. Um, still fun time, but probably for like one watch. I don't know. It depends now. I don't know if anybody would watch this and be like, I need to watch it again today. Like, um, yeah. I feel like back then I was I like, I got to see it like yeah. 10 more times in the theaters. <laughs> um, but now I was like, I watched it once. I might watch it, you know, in another few years, but probably not soon. So I would actually, instead of a, like an adaptation into Netflix into a long form series, I would be interested to see an adaptation where you flip main characters and it's called like Ramona versus the world or something. And you have some, one of the women that Scott's being terrible to like the movie from her perspective and you oh, just see cool. Scott as this just 
chaotic force that is just causing problems in all these different different women's lives would be uh, an interesting take on it. Yeah, I would I would totally dig that. Then maybe we could get more than just creepy from the Gideon relationship. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see a perspective on that, right? <laughs> We do it from Knives' perspective and call it Knives Out 2. <laughs> uh, I, I am interested to see if this movie does just get entirely invalidated by the new show. Like, mm-hmm. that it just does this and more. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Because I'm assuming they're going to cop some of the Edgar Wright style um, in the show and then kind of meld that with the comic a little bit more. Is Wright um, involved? I think lim- I think limitedly. I don't know. Okay, so that's like right, an yeah. EP or something. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's pretty much it. I am. All right. So I think we've yeah we've we've hit it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We've run we've run our course. We fought all of our uh, evil podcast exes or whatever <laughs> to get to the end of this. Uh, we are afterthoughts and we are done or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're here to recommend a review we're movies to, re- to you <laughs> <laughs> well alright well I've been your host uh, Ryan King and joining me as always John Garcia um, watch out for those evil exes folks out there it's probably a real thing in Canada I don't know about America though, but, mm, yeah it's a weird too. place up there yeah. Yeah, strange yeah. things mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to read all of your email to know what's going on you just <laughs> yes. drink, can't just sure you read it. all of it <laughs> And also joining us, Michael Dixon. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.